All right, well, it's my honor to be able to introduce to you our speaker for the next four days, Nathan Smith. Um, I actually have known him from my time in Coffeyville, even, and he has spoke at some of our men's retreats that we've had here in the years past. Uh, he is currently, for the past 20 years, been serving at Show Me Christian Youth Home, and he is a cowboy. He leads a leadership, uh, leadership program in horsemanship. It's not Tom Selleck, if you see his mustache, um, but I am envious of it, if I'm honest with you. Uh, he also recently has taken over as the associate pastor at Parkview Christian Church in Sedalia, Missouri. He is married to his wife, Belinda. They have three kids, and it is his joy to be able to share God's word with the people that he encounters. And so if you'll join me as we welcome Nathan this morning. know if you would agree with me I hope that you do but uh wow what a blessing that worship service was and, and Meredith where is Meredith Meredith you go by Meredith Lynn is that is that a middle name that's your last name all right all right so Meredith did a wonderful job now as I was sitting over there I was thinking what a beautiful service we've had so far Lord help me not to screw this up I mean, because what a disappointment that would be if we have such a really high quality worship service and then I get there and preach and just like bomb it. That would be a real downer. That would not be a great way to get this revival going. So uh, it's, it's good to be with you this morning. And, and also I realized as I was sitting over there and thinking about how I didn't want to screw things up, I was like, I've already screwed things up. I need a, I, I just so, this is like what you don't want to do from, from the stage. It's like have to speak to someone who doesn't know you're going to speak to them and say, hey, later in the service, I'm going to need a portable microphone. Do we have one that we can, that we can, okay, I, I won't need it right now, but so that's, that's it. That's all the housekeeping that we got to do. I've totally forgot. It's something I haven't done before and we're going to need it later. So Andy's going to take care of that for it. It is great to be with you this morning. I have no doubt that we are going to set several records this week. We've already set one. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that we have probably already set a record of having the coldest revival on the planet. There's, there's no, how could it, who else would have a revival in January? You guys are brave, strong Christian souls. There's no doubt that there's a higher level of spirituality here than in any other place on the planet, definitely right now. Y'all are here. It was freezing cold this morning. It doesn't get much colder than this in our neck of the woods. And uh, so congratulations, you're a part of setting a record. You do realize then associated with that, that every single service will then set an attendance, re attendance record for the coldest revival. So like we've set a record right now for the attendance of the first service of the coldest revival. Tonight we'll set another record. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every night we're gonna set a record. You guys are a part of that, congratulations. Maybe I'm the only one who's excited about that, but I'm gonna tell everybody I know, I was a part of a record-setting revival. The attendance was off the charts for the coldest revival in the world. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm excited to share with you in this revival. I'm excited to preach. I need to let you know a few things. One, I work at a youth home. I work at Show Me Christian Youth Home, have worked there two, two different times, my wife and I, two different times. Uh, we've been there 10 years this time. We worked there 20 years ago for three and a half years when we were newly married, became house parents there, working with traumatized kids and kids from difficult situations. Um, that has been most of my life. There was a seven year period where we were in Coffeyville. We ran a ministry called Narrow Road Ranch Ministries there. That's when I got connected with this church and doing the men's retreats. Um, 
the, but kids are my heart. The kids that come from difficult backgrounds, that come from traumatized situations, they are not easy to work with. But that's what God has called me to, and that's who I want to be with. That's who I want to pour my life into. And if I can do anything to help them lead a normal life, if I can do anything to help them find Christ and find a life that has redeeming value, I want to do that. And that's what God's been doing with us. I'll be sharing with you through the course of this week some things about where I work and what I do um, and and how that ministry has affected me. The the, the messages that I'm going to be sharing with you this week, you need to know this. You're likely to get your toes stepped on. If you don't get your toes stepped on this week, you're probably already perfect, all right? And, and this won't, there's nothing I have to offer you. Because, you know, the reason I know that this is going to step on your toes is because these messages come out of the last about 10 to 15 years of my life of God crushing my toes, stepping on them at every single opportunity. It seems like, God, can you just give my toes a break? Like, I don't even have any toes left. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on stubs now. Because God has been changing me and molding me and shaping me. And it's been a good 10 or 15 years. And if you don't get your toes stepped on this week, I will be surprised. So prepare yourself to maybe feel a little offended, to maybe feel a little uncomfortable, to maybe feel like, why did we come to this again? Why were we a part of this again? Because God wants you to be somebody different than you are right now. That's why you're here. It's freezing cold outside. There's a lot of people who maybe didn't come. You're here because God wanted you here. You're here because God has a message for you, for your family, because he wants something for you. This set of messages is going to be on being and becoming a healthy church. And you may be thinking, well, maybe we already have a healthy church. I don't know, but there's always room to grow. And the things that we're going to be talking about this week, I guarantee everybody has room to grow. And if you're thinking, well, I'm just, there's probably like, there's probably no chance in the world there's actually like a visitor here today on the coldest Sunday on the planet. No, there we, we, but if there is a visitor here today, then you're thinking, well, maybe I'm not a part of this church. How are these messages going to apply to me? Maybe you feel like you're doing pretty good. If that's you, these messages can help you in any relationship because what is the church but a group of people who are in relationship with each other and primarily then in a relationship with God and their Savior, Jesus Christ? You are in relationship with people, and if you get into these messages and you let God move you and say, God, what do you have for me? How do you want me to receive these? What can you do in these? It can not only change this church, but it could change your marriage. It could change your your relationships with the people you work with. It could change the relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your mother, with your father, with your neighbors. Because these set of messages are about relationships, in improving our relationships so that we can be a healthy church and we can become who God wants us to be, reaching out of the kingdom and making a difference. There's nothing else on this earth that's worth anything. You make a lot of money, great. That's not worth anything if you don't help anyone get to heaven. You, you, can, you can be a hard worker, that's great, but if you don't help anyone get to heaven, it was worthless. You are here to help people get into heaven. Today's message is to set the stage, the foundation for this week of how we are going to move into this week. This message is about change. This message is about being willing and open. And I've titled this message, Committed to Change. That when we come into relationships, if you come into a relationship and say, I'm going to be the same way I am now, five years from now, 10 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you are not going to be in a healthy relationship. Somebody in that relationship is not going to be healthy or happy. Because you said, I'm going to stay the same way I am. 
You know, when they, they talk about people who've been married for a long time become like each other, right? Because they've been in that relationship and they are changing one another. And they become more like each other because they have spent time in relationship with each other. I have a saying that, a saying that I've coined at the youth home. Working at a youth home is not easy. I work with kids who don't believe that I love them. I work with kids that don't believe that I like them. I work with kids that I have to go every day. I have to get up and go to work. I have to convince these kids that I care for them because their basic mindset is that you don't care. You don't love me. You don't like me. You will reject me. You will leave me. And then everything I do has to convince them otherwise. When one of them is really driving me crazy and really irritating me, I have to remember that if I show irritation, if I show anger, even on my face, that they interpret that far different than what I mean it. And we work with people. I work with people that I work very closely with other adults. Well, for eight years of that ministry, we were living on campus. We were doing what was called relief care, where we have kids coming into our home that were living with other house parent families on that campus. They would come to my home every week and stay with me for a night, maybe three or four nights if their house parents are off or on vacation or had a medical emergency or something. They're at my house. It'd be like respite in foster care. And these kids were in my home. And so I was watching and helping co-parent other people's kids. And they were teaching my kids. I was in accountability groups with the, with, with the guy. He's also my supervisor. He's also my neighbor. And I'll tell you what happens when you work that closely with people. They are going to annoy you. They are going to irritate the crud out of you. They are going to do things that are going to drive you crazy. One night, my neighbor, it's 10 o'clock at night. I like things to be quiet at 10 o'clock at night. It's 10 o'clock at night, and suddenly I hear fireworks. It's not the 4th of July. There's fireworks going off. I go to my door, and like, what in the world is Ken doing over there? I open my door, and Ken's giant, stupid hound dog is terrified because of these fireworks, tries to run in my house. And so me and Obi, short for Obi-Wan Kenobi, are fighting at the door. He wants in my house bad, and I don't want him in my house bad. And we're fighting, I'm like, get out of my door, get out. And Ken's over there firing off like, you know, Roman candles. It's like Uncle Eddie. What are you doing? We had to have a conversation the next day. We had to have a conversation that night. I'm like, what are you doing? We're trying to settle down over here. And that's what happens. Sometimes you're going to rub people the wrong way. And there's all kinds of potential for friction and conflict. Now, so I've coined this saying. When you work at this, when you work at a youth home, and you this probably could go far beyond the youth home, and it, you can you can tell this can apply to many places and many relationships. You are either going to grow, or you're going to go. When we get when we get young house parents, I start telling that right away. Hey, listen, don't think this is going to be easy. When they're disappointed, that's par for the course. When you're frustrated, that's par for the course. You are either going to grow, or this ministry is not for you. You're going to go. You're either going to let God change you through this process. And you're going to become someone completely different than you are right now, or you're going, to, you're going to bail. At some point, you're going to move on because it's going to be too hard. And you've got to be committed to growing, committed to change, being willing to say, I am not who I want to be. And you're going to let God change you. So today, this morning, I want to give you some reasons to embrace change. And you need to embrace change or the rest of this revival. You're either going to grow or you're going to go. You're going to be here and you're going to receive and you're going to be like, man, I, got, I'm going to, I don't want to be the same way I am. And you're going to let that discomfort become conviction, which becomes change. Or you're going to say, I'm really uncomfortable. I don't want to be a part of this. 
You're either going to grow or you're going to go. And the number one reason that you need to embrace change is because guess what? You're not perfect. You're not. Sometimes people get in a mindset that they're always right. Don't point at the person next to you. Don't even look at them. But you may be sitting with someone who's never wrong. <laughs> and if it's that person, it's funny to other people when they go, man, you are never wrong. But it's not funny when you're in a relationship with someone who's never wrong. Because somehow they've convinced themselves that it's their, their ideas are always the best. Their, their ideas are never wrong. They're more educated about this subject. They're more intelligent in this area. And everyone else is wrong except me. And that, and that you, if you were to confront them about something, they would have every defense in the world for what they've done except saying, you're right, I was wrong. So why don't you guys say that with me this morning? I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not and neither am I. I've kind of embraced this idea. And so when I, when I go into a situation that I might feel convicted, you know, if I go to a men's encounter where, you know, I feel convicted every single time, I just open myself up right away and say, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? Because there's going to be something. You're going to do something in my life. You're not perfect. I, I would challenge you if, you, if you struggle with feelings of pride or that you are better than other people, you need to read the Sermon on the Mount. You need to dive in to Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, and you need to give that a good read. When I was young and dumb, when I read Matthew chapter 5 through 7, I would read that and go, man, I'm doing all right. I'm pretty good at this stuff. Come on. 47 years old, when I read Sermon on the Mount, I just hang my head. Man, I got so far to go. So far to go. But if you knew me and you're like, you've been in relationship with me, you go, but Nathan, you're, you're a lot different than you were 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm a lot smarter and I realize I got a long ways to go to be like Jesus. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, therefore be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Give that a good read. You'll find that you're not who you think you are. You are lacking. First John 1 verses eight through 10 says, if we say we do not have sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just so that he will forgive us our sins, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You're not perfect. Not yet. When Jesus comes, receives you to him, you will be made perfect, but it's not yet. Get used to it, embrace it. Be ready to change. Next point I would say the reason to embrace change is because growth is natural. If we have a child that is not growing and you go to the doctor, you know what they get out? They put your child on the scale and if, they're, if they can stand, they, they have them stand and they measure how tall they are. And anyone ever had any problems with the growth chart? <laughs> like, you know, when you're on the growth chart and they're like, and they're like oh, your, your child is, is on below, below, and especially when they're babies, they get concerned. When my, my daughter was little, she was less than a year old <clears throat> and she was little bitty. I mean, she was underweight for her age. She looked healthy, everything, but she was not as heavy as the growth chart said she should have been. So the doctor said, we need to do, we need to do some tests, right? They wanted to test her like, we need to check your house for lead paint. Maybe she's been getting into lead paint. I'm like, she's never anywhere where she could even try to eat lead paint. But she was just small. Today, you wouldn't think that because she's gotten into working out. She's 19 years old and she's getting pretty buff <laughs> for a girl. But when she was young, she was small. There was a problem when she wasn't growing. And it's natural to grow. 
The Bible talks about this many times, talks about infancy as a believer, growing into an adult, growing out of infant food into adult food. It's a natural thing. Guess what happens? We're all growing, right? Until a certain point. And you know what happens when you stop growing? You start dying, right? You don't realize it at first. You're 30 years old and you're thinking, I still feel pretty good. I mean, I quit growing a long time ago, but I still feel all right. And then all of a sudden something happens or, or, or worse, something doesn't happen. And you go, I used to be able to do that. Boy, that seemed a lot easier back in the past. You hit 35 and you start saying it a lot more. You hit 40 and it becomes a normal thing. By 45, you don't even say it anymore. You've just given up because your body is actually starting the dying process. You are losing information from your system. That's kind of depressing, but it's the reality of a broken world. When you stop growing, you start dying. And it's absolutely the same with the Christian walk. When you stop growing, when you stop allowing God to change you, you don't just freeze right there and you're like, I'm as happy with where I'm at, I'm okay right here. You actually start dying. Stagnancy equals death. You are made to grow. You are made to become more than what you are and to continue on this upward trajectory. That's what I call it. When, when I look at my life, I think of my life kind of like the stock market. You know what, sometimes the stock market goes up and sometimes the stock market goes flat and sometimes the stock market goes down. But you know what you wanna see in the stock market over the long term? Trending upward. And that's what you're gonna look back on in your life. It's not that you're always gonna, there's moments you're gonna flatline, there's moments you're gonna descend. But growth is natural and you wanna be able to look back in your life and say, you know what? God is working in me. I'm not the same as I was 10 years ago. I'm not perfect but I'm not the same as I was and I'm trending upward. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 says this, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers uh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, building up of the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man, the measure of maturity and the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be infants, tossed by the waves, carried by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people, by craftiness with reference to the scheming of deceit. God wants you to grow and it is natural for you to grow, to grow out of the infancy and become an adult. He wants you to grow in your faith. He doesn't want you in the same place five years from now. He doesn't want you still drinking milk five years from now, eating baby food five years from now, where you haven't gotten and actually studied your own Bible, that you're just trusting that somebody else is gonna feed you. He wants you to feed yourself he wants you to grow. And lastly, I would say this, is that people need you to be at your best. You need emphasis to grow. You need incentive to grow. The people around you need you to be better than what you are. Your wife needs you to be better than what you are. Your husband needs you to be better than what you are. Your congregation needs you to be better than what you are. I need to be better. You can say that to yourself. You can just say in your mind right now, I need to be better for the people around me. I need to grow so that these people have the benefit of someone who is not the same as I was, that I'm gonna be able to contribute more. I'm gonna have more to offer. And because I'm growing, the people around me will be benefited and improved. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14 says, not that I have already obtained this or I have already arrived at my goal, 
but I press on to take hold for that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. The people around you need you to be better than what we are. Now, now's the time for a little audience participation. Now, let me grab my microphone. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need some help. So let me ask you a question. I'm gonna need four people. It would be best if these four people have some background in drama. Like, like you took drama in high school or were in a high school play. Anybody out there been took drama in high school or in a high school play? Come on, be brave. I need four people, and it could be kids, but I need four people just to help me out. It'll be fun. I, fr I promise, this will be fun. It won't be embarrassing. This is gonna be fun. Oh, man. Come on, come on, come on, boys. Thank you. Whew. All right, here we go. All right, come on, Ross. Uh, that's just two. We need two more. All right, come on, get up on stage. We need one more brave man. Looks like the men are the ones that are gonna do this. We need one more brave man. One, there he comes, there he comes. All right, gentlemen. Now, we're gonna talk about reason. You guys, you guys can stay, right? You guys slide over on this side of the stage. I gotta, I gotta come from down here. Yeah, down this way, right over here. We're gonna talk about reasons that we resist change. Reasons, and these guys are gonna help us out. They're gonna give us a dramatic portrayal of these different reasons, and I'm gonna give them a prop to help them get into character. Because you know when we act, you gotta get yourself in character. All right, so I'm gonna give you something to help yourself. One of you has to provide it for yourself. All right, so the first, the first reason we resist change often is because we're lazy or apathetic. We're going to represent this with a phone. You got your phone in your pocket? All right, get your phone out. All right, you're gonna represent, so you, you just start thinking, lazy and apathetic. There you go, lazy and apathetic. All right, now the second reason we might resist change, I know nobody in here is this, so this is probably just gonna be for nothing, right? But it's because we're stubborn. There should have been a chuckle there because you know what? I guarantee you there's some stubborn people in this room. All right, I don't know any of you really very well, but there's some stubborn people. And I thought, what would represent stubbornness? How are we gonna, what kind of prop? All right, well, you know what? You know, there was a reason that they named that movie Grumpy Old Men. You know, you gotta think, you gotta think Walter Malthow, Jack Lemmon, I got my old man hat here and I got an old man cane and you got short hair, so this isn't gonna mess your hair up. There you go, start thinking, oh, it's perfect. Start thinking old and stubborn and stuck in your ways, my friend, all right? But with that said, guess what? You don't have to be old to be stubborn. You don't even have to be an old man to be stubborn. This is just our stereotypical representation to help him get into the character, right? Right, so next thing we have is maybe you are too prideful to change. I mean, really, it's everybody else's problem. Nobody else, you know, everybody else is dumb. Everyone else doesn't know what they're doing. You've always got a better idea. So what could better represent that than a dictionary, right? <laughs> Ross, here you go, buddy. Start thinking prideful thoughts, all right? Start thinking about how you're better than everyone else and you know more than everybody else. There you go, you got it. Now, the last reason is Craig, right? Poor Craig, poor guy. He's just hopeless and he's given up. 
So I thought, what? He just said, change is too dang hard. You know what? When people ask me to change, I'm like, I can't do it. So what could better represent that than a one and a half pound dumbbell? And you can just sit over here and try to lift that thing, just strain on it. Yep, it's pretty tough, ain't it? Yep, there you go. Perfect. All right. Now, we have set the stage for why it is difficult to change. Let me make sure my microphone is on. And maybe I put it the wrong way. Perfect. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you some questions. <laughs> we are already getting into this. All right, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'll put the microphone in your face. And I want you to respond to your, in your best character of why you can't do what I'm asking you to do. Are you ready? You guys ready? All right, excellent. So, Craig, why have you not, why are you not spending more time in God's Word? Well, I just don't seem to have enough time, you know. I've got other things to do. Uh, sometimes it's really hard. I don't always understand it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And, and then something distracts me. And, yeah. All right. Well, that, that, that's, that's really tough. Now, Ross, you know, what, why have you not been spending time in God's Word? I mean, I grew up in church my whole life. I got this all figured out. It's really more for other people. Andy, why have you not been spending time in God's Word? Well, them dad come kids, they want to change everything, and I got to keep them on track. I, it, too much time making sure this next generation race is right, and their parents are terrible, and, you know, they're just not raised like they used to be in my age. And so. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, what's your name? J.D. J.D.? J.D.? Yeah. All right, J.D., why are you not spending time in God's Word, my friend? Man, I ain't got time for that. Hey, did you see what Sarah was doing on Facebook? Did you see what she had last week? Oh, my. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you another question, guys. I'm gonna, we're going to go one more question just for time, sake of time. Let me look. Let me find my best one here. How about this one? Craig, why have you yet to find a place to serve? Well, I just don't know how to do it. You know, what if I did it wrong? I know. It's a real risk that you're taking. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Ross, why have you yet to find a place to serve? Well, you know, I'm just looking for where my, my gifts will best fit in. <laughs> I bet that's going to be really difficult. <laughs> Andy? There's, they changed the music. They changed the style. They're going away from cues. I, I don't like it. I can't find a church that is good enough for me. So I'm, I'm just, everything's changing. They are offensive. I agree. All right, JD, my man, why have you not yet found a place to serve? Oh, I don't have time for that. I just, I'm too busy on Instagram looking at the new video and TikTok. You're a tic I was going to say, you're a TikToker, aren't you? Uh, TikTok. It just, you want to show us your new TikTok dance? <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much. Thank you, you did Excellent. You can't keep the props. <laughs> We made it through that part without object failure. Whew, praise God. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you guys did excellent. You know what? We can find a million reasons that we don't want to change. Why do we resist change? Because maybe sometimes we're just too stubborn. We don't want to change. We're too prideful. It can't be me that's the problem. I'm too lazy or apathetic. It's just, oh, I don't have the energy to do that. Or maybe you just think there's no way I can change. If you knew what my life had been like, if you knew what I'd been through, if you know how long I've been struggling with this habit, you'd realize it's not possible. And we would resist change. Change is hard. Guess what? 
there's hope. There's hope. Change is possible. You heard the saying, old dogs can't learn new tricks. That's not true. You give me the oldest dog on the planet, and if he can move and his brain still works, I can teach him something, right? It may just be sit and stay, because <laughs> he's really good at that, but he can learn something, right? We can still learn and we can still change. Change is hard. So let me give you a quick rundown of how this is gonna work. You gotta let God change you. God is in the business of changing people. If you think you're gonna do this on your own, you're gonna be sorely disappointed. You think you're gonna go out and you're gonna go home and you're just gonna get self-help going and you're just gonna bootstrap yourself and you're just gonna grit your teeth and you're gonna become somebody different, good luck. You need the power of Jesus Christ. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to come in your life and change you. I needed that. I needed God, I grew up in church. I didn't have trauma in my life, but I needed God to change me. Habits that I had, predispositions that I had, natural reactions to things that I had, and God said, no, 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 Nathan, no. Let me change you. Jesus referred to this process of being born again, John chapter three, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, refers to the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things come from the Holy Spirit, not from you. You think you can do those on your own? You think you can be patient with a really irritating person on your own? Good luck, you need the Holy Spirit. And you're gonna call out to God and say, God, change me, help me, help me be someone different than I am. You need him. That was the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. It was not for you to go, man, I'm pretty good, but it was you to fall on your face before a heavenly father, a holy father, and say, I cannot do it. The Sermon on the Mount was written with a shadow of a cross over the top of it. Jesus was saying, you don't think you need me? You think you can live up to this standard? Therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Try it on your own. You need me. You need forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit to change you. He will do it through the power of his Holy Spirit. And then he will have, he has one tool that he particularly used when we are resistant to change. If we're resistant and not open to change, he has tools. And one of them is this process called refinement. Isaiah 48 verse 10 says this, look, I have refined you, but not like silver. I have chosen you in the furnace of misery. He's gonna refine you. When you take silver or any kind of metal and refine it, you melt it down. And all the impurities start to get burned off. He's gonna refine you. He's gonna change you. He's gonna melt you down to your core elements. And he's gonna say, now let me make you new. Several years ago, I had a guy that I worked with put a verse, Bible verse on a sticky note on my computer at work. And this was years and years ago. It wasn't when I was living at where I'm now. And it was a verse that said this. It was from Isaiah chapter 30. It said, you will hear a voice behind you. It says, whether you look to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> look, whether I look to the right or to the left, I will hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. What in the world does that mean? You, when you don't understand something from God's word, you know what you immediately need to do? You, do, you read one verse that you don't understand, you know what you need to do? Read what's all around it. It's the context. And I, ran, I went and started reading Isaiah chapter 30. And I ran onto this verse. It was all about Israel doing its own thing and doing what they wanted. And God said, I am going to bring hardship on you. 
And he uses this phrase that stuck with me and I've never forgot it. He says, I will feed you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Anybody want that meal? I read that and I thought, Lord, I'll skip on that supper. I don't want, I don't need any bread of adversity and water of affliction. I was already in it though. I was already experiencing the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. And I was doing my own thing, committed to my path. And the bread of adversity, I kept eating that meal. I ate it way longer than I probably had to. Before I was finally like, Lord, what do you want me to do? When I ran onto this verse, it was a big part of my life changing. As God began to take pain and suffering, adversity and affliction and mold me into somebody else. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like what I was going through. And God said, I need to change you, but you're resistant to my change. I've given you what you need in the word. I've told you what, what the Christian life should look like. I've showed you what Jesus, how he lived and how he worked. I've told you what the fruits of the spirit are and you're resisting me. You're resisting my call on your life. You're resisting the change that I want you to make. He said, I'm gonna have to take things to the next level. I need you to think differently. So we can experience the bread, adversity and the water of affliction. I've experienced it multiple times. The thing is, I'm getting a lot better recognizing it. I'm getting a lot better to go, whoa, whoa, I know what's going on here. He's changing me. He's shaping me. And it's like, Lord, guide me through this process. Don't let me stay the same. Don't let me look the same five years from now, 10 years from now. When I look back, when I look back, let me go like, who was that guy? Why did he think the way he thought? Why did he react the way he did? Wow, I don't do that anymore. That's what I want God to do in my life. I want him to shape me, mold me, change me. The power of his spirit, sometimes through adversity, sometimes through affliction, he's shaping me. He can do it for you. He wants to do it for you. Listen, this week's about revival. It's about change. You come back tonight, and I hope you do. Be ready. Say, Lord, I want to change. My family needs me to be better. My wife, my kids, the people I'm sitting next to in these pews, they need me to be different. They need me to be more like Jesus. There's, there's weighty things on the line. There's salvation things on the line. They need me to be better back on Monday night, you're going to be more ready. Monday and Tuesday night are going to be difficult because we're going to talk about conflict. Nothing will mess a church up worse than conflict handled incorrectly. There's always going to be conflict. We're going to be talking about that Monday and Tuesday night. How can we deal with conflict? It's going to be fun, but it's going to be challenging. It's going to get right in here where we live. And it's going to give us opportunities to change. I hope you're ready for that. Lord God, I thank you that you love me so much that you're not willing to let me stay the same. You refuse as your child to let me stay the same. I wanna pray for this congregation.
whatever is standing between these people and change, these individuals, these men, these women, these children, they're standing between them and change and becoming who you want them to be, Lord, that those barriers would be broken down, that they'd be removed from the path and they'd be ready to embrace what you have for them. It will be painful. It will be hard. We will have to recognize failure and mistakes and own things. It's gonna be really uncomfortable for a period of time, but it will yield a harvest of blessing. Lord, help us to be willing to grow and not go. Help us to get in, stay in, and let you shape us into who you want us to be. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Listen, we're gonna have a time of decision. Unless you are a perfect person, have a decision to make, some kind of decision to make. There's gotta be some part of your life, some element of your life, some area where you're like, God's convicting you, you're cut to the heart. And you know, and you need to make a decision. I'll just tell you this, if you want to change, that decision has got to be told to someone. Someone, today. You can come forward, you can talk to me, you can talk to Andy, we'll be here. Maybe that conf first confession needs to be to one of us. We're gonna pray over you, encourage you. Maybe it's like you make a resolution in your mind that when you go home today, you will not put your head on the pillow tonight without telling someone that you need to change. You're gonna look at the person you love most in the world and you say, I need to change, I'm not who I need to be. You are gonna resolve right now that you're gonna do something today, you're gonna tell them you don't lay your head on the pillow tonight without telling someone where you're gonna change. You're not gonna let stubbornness get in your way. You're not gonna let pride get in your way. You're not gonna let laziness or apathy or hopelessness get in your way. This church, God's church was made for great things. Don't let an unwillingness to change be what keeps you from achieving that. We're gonna sing a hymn of decision. Come forward if you need to. Talk to us afterwards. You tell somebody today, you're gonna find, I guarantee you, you're gonna find every an audience, uh, and you, when you talk to us, an audience that understands that we've screwed up a lot and we've had to change a lot. You come.